they buy property, they throw a head of the herd of cows on there, and they take the tax break. And they don't know anything about ranching or farming or what goes into it. Good morning, everyone. I'm your host, Harley, and this is the Ranch Collective Podcast, where we talk with Western industry professionals to share, educate, and give a platform to those inside the industry and to give those who are outside of it a look at the day-to-day by having real conversations with guests. If you're new here, welcome. If you've been on this journey with me for a while, welcome back. Today, I am back with another episode of Tales from a Ranch Manager with my most favorite human being, Josiah. If you missed the last episode, Josiah has lived on ranches for most of his life between growing up on ranches across the country and then handing, assistant managing, and managing several as an adult. If you didn't miss that last episode, go back, listen to it. He shares some really fun stories about being a kid on a ranch. Today, he is sharing some of his experiences in the mismatch of expectations between management and ownership and specifically what that looked like for him. So I hope you enjoy. So the last thing that I really wanted to chat with you about is I know you've had at least one really, really bad experience, but I'm sure more than one experience with ranch owners whose vision for what their ranch is does not align with the reality of what managing a ranch actually looks like and what caring and being a steward of that land actually looks like. I mean, the hardest thing is for people that haven't had to go into a ranch that has had a lot of turnaround, so meaning they've gone through a lot of people, that's always a red flag. Yeah. And you just never know because I've seen how people work. I've seen how people can talk a big game and everyone wants to be a rancher until it comes to the work. And no, not too many people can handle it. That's why ranchers kind of a dying breed if you didn't grow up in it. And I would also say it's hard to get into it, but that's a totally different topic. But a lot of these ranchers or ranch owners, I can't really call them ranchers, they buy property, they throw a head of a herd of cows on there, and they take the tax break. And they don't know anything about ranching or farming or what goes into it. They just think, well, you feed the cows, you check the fence, and then you have all this extra time to do nothing. And every time I've had this experience, I go in, I'm like, well, what are your expectations? And every place I've gone to is usually run down. The equipment's broken. The land is ran down. The Usually the cattle herd is pretty good unless it's a bad drought well i feel like sorry to interrupt but i feel like it i i would think that having like really run down ill cared for land and having really run down ill cared for equipment should also be a sign that whomever is ultimately in charge of those things being you know the owner the person who owns those things that should be a red flag that they don't have like a true stake in like being taking care of those things I would say yes a lot of the time, but also if they're also talking a big game, like, hey, I want to do whatever it needs to, I, whatever needs to be done to take care of my land and my animals, I just haven't had somebody here that can do that because most of these guys don't live on the ranch. They're just weekend or once a month ranchers, so like they're not really there. They don't know. They don't really care. But if they're saying they're willing to put in the money as long as I put in the time, that's always a good sign, but it's also you always have the hair standing up on the back of your neck because everyone says that. Every ranch I've ever been on, every ranch my parents have been on, 
it's always a sweet deal until it's not. And that's the worst part is it's a different lifestyle and a different way of life, but most ranches, you you move out there. You live there. So not only is it your job, it's your home. You never get away from the ranch, which is fine, but if you get let go or quit, you lose your home. And that's the hardest part. Yeah, that was, I think, one of the harder parts of when uh, we left North Texas. I remember coming home and you saying, we got to get the hell out of here, basically. And you're like, here's the time frame that I'm looking at. Here's where I would like to go. But, like, everything's got to be, like, smooth sailing until we leave because if they get wind that we're leaving, they'll just kick us right out of our house. Yeah, and it's hard because, I mean... Normal tenancy laws don't apply to ranches. For anyone who's listening who, like, doesn't know... It used, it used to be. It used to be the same. It used to be they couldn't just kick you out. Now they change the laws, so it sucks. You, I think within three days you have to be out of there. Yeah, specifically because there's, like, like private property issues or issues with you once you've been terminated, like being on company property, essentially. I think you could still probably fight your case and stay out there. You would probably eventually get kicked off, but it's it's just not great. And I would say probably not worth it unless you were in a real tight spot. Tight spot, yeah. But if you don't see it coming, most people are that are ranch workers, not ranch owners. So to elaborate like a little bit more... When you say they like, they being ranch owners, sorry. When you say that they don't understand um, what your day-to-day looks like as someone who is not on a ranch, can you elaborate just like a little more, maybe give an example of what you're talking about? So for an example, uh, the ranch I was working on in North Texas, the owner was a, uh, it was something, he was in the medical field is what I'll put best way. Um, so he's a wealthy guy. He wasted tons of money on himself and not so much ranch. And for an example was he'd come out there on the weekend and one of my days off would be Sunday. I only had one day off at this place. And I would be up on Saturday morning, bright and early out working. So for an example, we were digging out this dam, a tank. I've been out there since like six o'clock working, digging. He comes out around 10, 10.30, and he goes and gets in the excavator and starts digging out. And he's just lollygagging along, not doing a lot of work. And it's like 5, 6 o'clock. I'm like, all right, well, tomorrow's my day off. I'm not going to work till 8 o'clock. And I leave. He doesn't like that, but he doesn't understand. I've been out here since 6 o'clock working, busting my butt all day and all week. And he thinks like, well, I came out here for a couple hours with all the work I did. He they don't understand. They didn't do anything. They're just playing in the dirt, and they don't get that. And they just expect you to work your butt off when they're there because they're there to help you. Yeah, and, like, I remember there was a couple of specific incidents where you'd requested to, like, swap a day off. Like, there was one year – it's always around my birthday, I mm-hmm. swear. Both times it was my birthday. Or to- both of the big ones it was my birthday. But there was, like, my birthday fell on, like, either a Friday or a Saturday, so – You'd, you know, gotten permission to switch your day off. You were going to work that Sunday in exchange for having Friday off. Well, Friday comes around and he happens to be up there and he's like, oh, well, why aren't you working? Where are you? And you're like, I swapped my day off so I could spend, you know, Harley's birthday with her. And he just like had a complete cow over it, which is inappropriate in any like work context, but just like 
you're, it's, you're like, scroll up for your text messages. Yeah. It's, 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 your it's life weird. revolves around them, and that's one of the things that's hard. And you, yeah. you, they, you know they're your, they're your boss, and you kind of have to suck it up sometimes and take the heat, but there's a lot of give and take, and you don't want to give them a lot because then they're going to take more from you, it seems like, a lot of the time. And it doesn't help, I think, that you were the only person out there working. Yeah. So I was I was the ranch manager. I was a ranch hand. I was a ranch everything. So it all fell onto me, what did or didn't get done. And it, You're only one man. You only have so many hours in you every single week. Yeah. And that's the problem. They don't, they don't understand how long it takes. All right, I need to go move the excavator across the ranch. That means I'm going to walk it. That means it's going to take, it could take me a half day, depending on which way I go, if something breaks. If I have to fix something, I have to take the truck and a trailer, bring an ATV, quad, or another vehicle to where I'm going to drop the excavator off at, and then drive the truck back to the excavator, walk the excavator all the way over there, get in that second vehicle that I brought over there, drive it back to the truck, load it onto the trailer... And then that's almost a whole day's work right there, just moving a piece of equipment. Yeah. And they don't understand that. And that's one of the, like, on a day-to-day basis things that no, if you haven't experienced that and out there by yourself and you don't have another person and you're the one fixing the equipment if it breaks, and if it's breaking once a month, once a week, that's all delays on getting your projects done. But they don't see it. Most owners don't see it that way. They're just like, why haven't you gotten anything done? You're like, well excavator broke the tractor broke it's been so wet i can't do anything they're like then why aren't you fixing the equipment because the equipment wasn't broke when it wasn't raining because i wasn't running it (laughs) but they don't see it that way they're like why aren't you maintaining it it's like well it's 20 years old and no one's ever maintained it i've completely serviced it and probably broke it because it shouldn't have gotten new oil it's running just fine without grease And they're like, well, that doesn't make any sense. I'm like, I know, but I'm doing my job and your equipment's breaking. You're like, I'm doing the best I can. Well, I think that's one of the things. Like, I haven't done a lot of um, episodes specifically dedicated to talking about the issues that, like, hands and managers specifically face. The people who don't have an ownership stake in ranches or farms. um, Because a lot of the people who I brought on to talk to are, you know, either third, fourth, fifth generation on their same family operation themselves, or they've married someone who's their fourth, fifth generation on their family operation. So like, it's a little bit different when you're actively working on the farmer ranch and you have an ownership stake in the farmer ranch. Yeah. And like, we, this was strictly a cattle ranch, the one I was working on up north. And like, another example was my first year there, uh, the our first year of uh, calves, he wanted... One of them separated. He wanted the steers and the heifers because he wanted to save a bunch of the heifers. So I had cowboys come out and help me. We got them all into the pen. But then he was like, all right, well, you need to sort. This is after several days later. He's like, there's an auction coming up. You just need to sort the heifers from the steers and bring the heifers or bring the steers or whichever one it was. And I was like, okay, great. And I assumed he was going to, uh, hire some cowboys to bring out again for me because he did it last time. And so I spent the whole day doing sorting them my whole self. So I sorted them all, got them all taken care of. And then the next day I spent the entire day because the sale barn was like 40 minutes away. 
and I there's about 75 head and I did not have a very big trailer and I was on my last trip and I like had to call the sale bar and I was like hey I know you guys are closed and can you just stay open I have to get there and luckily most people in the industry, industry are very understanding and I mean, if you're not a jerk to them, they're going to be more than pleasant to you. And they helped me out and they stayed open and I got them all there. But it's like the owner didn't think about like, it's a lot of work to sort 150 head by yourself, let alone calves that are handled for the second time for an example on this ramp. That, it's like he had this expectation that either I was going to step in and help you if you needed a second person without taking into account that I work an hour and a half away every single weekday. Yeah. Or he was like, oh, well, he'll just get it figured out. But, like, you weren't given the power. You weren't empowered to, like, hire your own cowboys or do any – or, like, make the decision, like, hey, I need you to – Carly, I need you to call off from work because I need help with this. We can pay you. The ranch is going to pay you. Or, dad, can you come home with this? The ranch will pay you. You weren't empowered to make those decisions to, like – get the help yourself and it was one of my first times actually being a ranch manager so I didn't I wasn't smart enough or mature enough to think that this is stupid I don't need to do this by myself I could do it and I did but I should have been like actually well if you want all of these to the sales barn it's going to take me two days or hire somebody and have them come help me haul them and then I need at least three people out here to help me sort I didn't think about that, but I just bit my tongue and did it. And I didn't get an attaboy for going beyond and above. I just, I did my job. And that's kind of part of ranching. But we did have some interesting experience, like fun experiences on. Oh, we did. There was a lot more good memories than there was bad, for sure. Just the bad ones are the ones you always think about because they outweigh the good memories a lot of the time. What's your favorite memory from living there? Uh, I don't know if I have a favorite, but one of my top favorite was during calving season when my Uncle Jack and my dad <laughs> were at the ranch and helped me uh, tag all the calves. That was honestly a great time. That was the same day you caught the armadillo? Probably. <laughs> but we basically did it just, uh, we, we had a hook and we had some ropes. We had a calf hook where you... Looks like a big long candy cane, basically, and you hook their heel. And these cows, it was not a great, great ranch. They the cattle was not taken care of, and they they didn't maintain them. They didn't work them on a regular basis. So most of them were pretty wild. And all these cows, the first time they've been taken by people, touched by people, and most of them were too big. It wasn't like they were a day old. They some of them were several weeks old, and that's way too big. But the owner was there. He's like, well, let's go tag some calves. And I I love catching calves and tagging. That was like his favorite thing to do during calving season. Is he? That was the only time I ever saw him like get up early. He'd be like, let's go check cows and tag calves. And we were like, okay, yeah, if you want to come, you can come. That's fine. But it was a great time. And it was, it was. sometimes you'd get a mama that would, you'd grab a hold of the calf and you'd have to throw her in the buggy and take off driving because <laughs> the mama was trying to climb in the buggy with you. There's plenty of them. and I think that's a universal cow-calf operation experience. Oh, it is, but I don't a, know good, a good cattle ranch <laughs> will get rid of that crazy mama. There's a certain amount of crazy you want the mama to have, but when she's 
she's that crazy and she's hurting people is when it's a good time to get rid of her. But you want her to be aggressive. You want her to protect the calves. We were fortunate, I think, in that we didn't really have any predators that were particularly interested in going after. No, not so much. Just, I mean, if there's a sick calf or newborn and it wasn't a good mama, the coyotes definitely could have got to her. But I'm maybe a bobcat. I don't think we really had that happen to any of the cats. No, I don't. Maybe think, one. I don't think we ever had one die of getting attacked by animals. Oh, yeah. I was going to ask you to talk about your chupacabra story. So I hadn't lived up north Texas uh, in a while. And it's there's a lot of oak trees. It's very, it's a lot more dense. And I was brand new to this ranch. And I was out in a blind hunting. Like we've been there for maybe four months. I don't even know if that long that we were. I think it was, because I think it was in the fall, like right after it started to cool off a little bit. Because you weren't doing a ton of hunting right in the middle of summer. I don't know. But anyways, I was new to the place, and cell phone service out there is really, really bad. This is just part of the building story. And uh, so your phone wouldn't work. Your compass wouldn't work. And I was sitting in a blind and shot a hog. It was just got dark, and I... Shouldn't have took the shot. Took a shot. So I waited a little bit, and I left my long gun in the blind, and I just had my pistol and had my headlamp, and I go down. No, I lie. I think I might have had my AR with me, maybe, because I think I had some type of optic on one of my guns that I brought with. So I go down there, and I see blood, and I start tracking it, and we're going into this thick stuff. It's all treed. It's big oak trees, but it, there's a ton of this rose vine or some type of vine that is just tears you up so it's real thick in there and i'm tracking i'm tracking i'm not really paying attention to which way i came because i was just like i'm gonna find this hog drag it out and i didn't realize how far into the brush i got so i probably was hiking for a good 15 20 minutes maybe and the trail kind of went cold and i was like oh okay and not thinking that i look up and i can't see any stars i can't see the moon because the coverage is so thick in there and i'm like okay i tried pulling up my phone i tried pulling up my compass but i had no service <laughs> so i'm just like i know i know what direction i headed in doesn't mean that that's the direction i went because I can't see the sky. I can't tell which way is south, north, east, west, or up or down just about is. So I start walking back, and I'm like, I'm like this kind of looks familiar. It's it's so dark in here. So all I got is my headlamp and my light on my gun. I'm walking, I'm walking. I hit a riverbed. I'm like, okay, I know where I'm at. So I head back the other direction. And I'm walking, I'm walking, I'm walking, and I hit a riverbed again. And I'm just like... I thought about climbing in the riverbed and falling up because I knew it would hit the bridge and then I'd be right where I was at. But I was like, what if there's a riverbed that I don't know about this here? So I was just <laughs> like, I was getting frustrated at this point. I've never been lost and I've never been able, I've never been in. S- Hang on, pause really quick. I feel like there's an additional piece of context that we need for this story. And that's that not only were you out hunting on this ranch that you were like new to, but you were out on like 120 acres that had been like untouched because there was no bridge. No, this isn't 120 acres yet. Oh. I end up over there. Sorry, my mistake. So what she was saying is there's 120 acres on this ranch that has no access unless you walk by foot. Because they had a a kind of crossing that washed out. Because when it rains up there, it, it rains. So I don't know how many years it's been since this 120 acres has been untouched, but I haven't seen it. I went to the bridge, but then there's a draw and then you can just see a little field so i've never been over there so anyways back to the story i'm walking walking 
and I come to a fence, and I'm like, well, I know this is still our property, and I can see it's an open field, so I think it's the field that I think it is. So I cross, <laughs> and I start walking, and the field just keeps opening up, and I'm like, I don't think this is our property. And I just had this like weird feeling on the that something was following me once I got into this opening. So I look back, shine with my white light, don't see nothing, don't see nothing, keep walking, and on my AR, I have multiple lights. I got a green and a red and a white. And I hit my green light, and I see eyes. And I'm like, how tall it was, I was like, okay, it's probably a deer. So I just keep walking, keep walking, and I just kept feeling like something was following me. So I turn around, and I shine my headlight on it, and I just see these bright blue eyes. I've never seen blue like this before. It's very creepy. I couldn't see a body. All I saw was just bright blue eyes. It was like at least a hundred yards. I'm just like, I was a little more eerie then because I was like, I don't know exactly where I'm at. And now there's something following me with weird eyes. So that's the chupacabra story as, I, as Harley likes to put it. And I, I did it, I did make it back. I figured out where I was. Once I got into the field and I could find the direction I needed to go, I did make it back within like 15 minutes after that. And I think we came to the conclusion that it was a bear. Could have been. Uh, who knows? Who knows? Um, because we, after this incident happened, we looked into it, and there is bear bear in that area, black bear. So And they had a few sightings that year. They had a few sightings just across the river from us in Oklahoma that year. So the river's not stopping a black bear. So, so if bear's eyes light up blue, let us know. Very good. Uh, is, there, is there any other stories you uh, wanted to share before we end our little chat? Um... Some people might frown upon shooting skunks, but I have on this ranch. I have never seen so many skunks in my life. We have a white German Shepherd. He got sprayed at least three times, so we were kind of done. But I've never. You'd go out into a field and see seven skunks in one field. You'd go out into another one, see another four or five. There was albino, an albino skunk, too. There was. We left that one alone because it was cool. It was cool, yeah. That's, but, that's That was the ultimate daddy skunk. That's where all the babies came from, apparently. Yeah, but... Say. Yeah. If there's too many skunks, you got to do something about it. We had a skunk make its nest right by our house. Yeah. And the dogs got spread. And that's how... We can't, I don't know if you guys have ever smelled what a skunk spray smells like, like up close, because it doesn't smell the same. No. If a dog gets sprayed, it's like a, almost oil that gets on them. It's like, thicker. It than smells oil. like, ga- almost like gasoline. It's rough. It's rough. Yeah. It's a rough time. And if you ever had a dog sprayed, you'd want to shoot every skunk that you've ever seen. Correct. Yeah. Oh, can I, can I tell the story about the creature that came up underneath our house? <laughs> Okay, so Josiah mentioned that his Uncle Jack came down to stay with us, and so he was staying in the guest room in our house. And a little story about our house. It's uh, it's double wide, so all of the ducking for the heating and air is underneath the floor. And if people don't know, on a uh, trailer house or a double wide, you're, you have your floor, it's insulated most of the time, and then you have your ducking, and then you just have the ground. So there's no cement pad, there's no... You can have, usually there's panels on the side, but the house is not sealed other than your floor that is... Allegedly insulated. Allegedly insulated. Yeah. 
So we had this vent basically almost right in the middle of our living room. And the dogs used to get really excited over it. So we knew that there was something living under the house right there, which whatever, that's fine. As long as it doesn't come in the house, it can be under the house all at once. As long as it's not like a bobcat. I don't really want a bobcat living under my house. Um, we came to the conclusion that it was like a raccoon or maybe a skunk. But we came to the conclusion it was probably like a raccoon or something. And so Josiah's uncle is there. And we're telling him about this thing that's under our house. And our dogs are, like, trying to stick their nose down in the vent. And they're barking at it and whatever it is. And we're just like, whatever, leave the house chupacabra alone. Like, whatever. So the next morning, I come out. And Josiah's still asleep. And I think Uncle Jack is outside on the porch having coffee. Or he might be over with Josiah's parents or something. I come out. And the whole like vent piece has been lifted up and turned sideways and set just on the floor next to the vent. And I'm like, I'm really freaked out. So I put it back where it belongs. And I'm like, Josiah's uncle, I was like, Jack has to be messing with us. So I told Josiah when he got up, I was like, Jack is messing with us. And he pulled the vent out. I was like, I don't know how he did, but he pulled the vent out. Well, we go ask uncle Jack about it. We're like, ha like very funny, but please don't do that. Cause there's a creature that lives under there. We don't want to get in the house. And he's like, just deadpan. I was like, what are you guys talking Like, I didn't touch the vent. Because these vents are, they're in the floor, so they're just weighted. You can just pick them up yeah. and take them off. They're not screwed in. Or something can come up and push them up <laughs> from beneath. I had nightmares for like two weeks of something coming up through our freaking floor vents, man. It was a good time. Looking back, it was a good time. It wasn't great when it was happening. <laughs> All right. Anything else? Uh, Not this time. All right. Well, thank you for sharing some stories with me talking about ranch life with me. Sorry, Jack is outside of our door whining. Um, But thank you for your time. I really, really appreciate it. Thanks for having me on. You're welcome. Love you. Love you too. Thank you so much for listening today. If you enjoyed the episode, please feel free to connect with me on social media. It's at Ranch Collective Podcast on Facebook and Instagram. And subscribe to the podcast to get new episodes as soon as they're released. See you next week.